Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today. We're in the food space, and you guys are going to love this brand called The Good Fats. And on the podcast today is Susie York their founder and CEO. Susie, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Hi, Justin. Well, I'm very excited to be here today. So thanks for having me on. I'm so excited that you're here too. I loved uh, learning about you and your products um, are amazing. I, I can't wait to dive in. Um, they make me hungry looking at them. And my guess is you're going to tell me something about them that I'm like, oh my God, I wouldn't normally like that, but I have a feeling I'm really going to like it. So um, I'm so excited to, to unpack that today with you. Uh, for those who don't know, Susie, her background is strongly in the consumer product space. She spent time at Procter & Gamble at Frito-Lay, at Heinz, ConAgra. I mean, you know, the biggest brands out there um, and, and has great experience, and especially in the marketing space. I saw that was your real focus. Um, but Susie, talk about your background and how you got to this place where you decided to start your own business. For sure, Justin. I think my background certainly has a big role to play in being successful with my first startup at age 50. Uh, you often hear that it's <laughs> you know that. your 10th or 5th or 10th startup that really takes off. And I was, you know, first kind of first one age 50 and it's gone really well. We just exceeded 100 million in wow. cumulative sales. So Unbelievable. yeah, more than I could have ever uh, expected. Um, but my background played a key role. I'm a little bit of a a unique duck out there. I have, uh, I'm French Canadian. So I kind of grew up the, with the French culture, not speaking too much English, went to McGill and engineering, electrical engineering. So I kind of was pretty good with numbers, but, uh, but I really wanted to, to be in business. So I had the opportunity to interview at uh, Procter and Gamble and they, they took me into, uh, a test a bit. The first kind of non-business grad took me into their marketing program in Toronto. So I made the the big move. And wow. then I, I really had the 12 years in a very disciplined tier one uh, approach to building brands. And uh, I'm, I'm speaking a, a lot to new entrepreneurs now in podcasts and doing a lot of university presentations. And I'm saying, you know, like the stuff you're learning in class, like it's real. It Positioning is real. product, price value, awareness and trial. Like that's the foundational stuff. And and I happen to have, you know, 25 years of the foundational stuff on kind of other people's money, you know. <laughs> right. it totally. own, it's like they yeah. were training you. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't my kids' university funding that was at risk. So for sure, my background at the last 10 years was more so in weight loss. So Weight Watchers, I was their head of I marketing. Saw that. And, uh, and then Dietary Supplement, which was a, a brand that was the number two brand at, uh, at, at, at in, food, in drug and mass in the U.S. So that really wow. gave me some good background as to how to build a brand that's in the pharmacy section at Walmart U.S. Because that's a tough beast in itself. So I kind of had a bunch of uh, experiences that kind of were the building blocks to what our brand is right now. We're in food drug mass in the U.S. We're in the pharmacy set in Walmart. We have an e-com business, which I was very deeply Im immersed in at Weight Watchers and, and wow. getting that from the ground up in Canada. So so all building blocks that led to a big 
risky leap at age 50. Right. <laughs> so I, I have to ask, and, and, and we both know many colleagues in the CPG industry at those big companies, and most of them, you know, once they've been there for a certain period of time, they don't leave. Or if they do leave, they go to another like brand, right? And here you are starting yep. your own business. So how did you decide to make the leap? And I mean, wow, what a successful leap. But at the time, I, you know, did you know this was going to be your space to dial into? Like, what did that look like? No, I didn't. Like, times were different, right? I'm 54 now. and <laughs> All of four uh, years. <laughs> yeah. So when I when I graduated, um, I remember interviewing and I was like, and, and I wasn't sure I wanted to take the job at Procter & Gamble because I had all these engineering jobs. I had one in Santa Clara and I had these like large you know, very successful technical companies that uh, wanted to hire me. And I had a bursary for another company and, and P and G said, um, you know, what do you want to do in, and down, down the, down, like long-term in your career? I said, well, one day I want to start my own company. So that, that sealed it. They, so I remember saying that and they said, well, you have to come here, right? Cause you're going to learn how to build a brand totally. period full stop. And I also remember at age 15, so maybe five or seven years before that, I told my mom one day I want to be a businesswoman, which I didn't really know what that meant because I didn't go to business school or figure that out. Right. But um, so it was kind of in my DNA and was latent. You know, in my 20s and 30s, you're at big multinationals, you're getting promoted. Like I got promoted pretty quick and, and you have more and more responsibility. Suddenly I'm managing 100 million, 200 million. In, in brands and big bar- budgets. And then, you know, you like I had a, I was doing triathlons. I, I, uh, I had my first, first child you know, and you're kind of in, you're kind of trapped right of like right. well you have I, your you know, routine and your schedule yeah yeah and the money and like i live in toronto it's really really expensive and totally. and i grew up sharing a bedroom with my mom for 13 years so i didn't have you know money as a safety net i didn't have you know kind of anything that if i didn't kind of have a job and a good job like then i wouldn't you know have kind of money to, to, to you know for for my kids or whatnot totally, so totally. and then i became a single mom so the root of entrepreneur wasn't an obvious one in my 20s and 30s. And and to be honest, back then, it was way riskier to start a brand. Like today, the world is set up for startups. I agree. Like it's, it's, it's like a yeah, great, like there's, it's, a, well, yeah. there's a good onboarding path now for beverage yeah. and food, right? And it's getting better and better every day. It, it wasn't as easy in Canada, but there's definitely some groups and, and, and setups and then more and more government and crown corporation funding set up to help. It's still not easy, but the path is, is paved. So for 20, 30 years, I, I would even ask, you know, about entrepreneurship. And I was told like a dozen times, you know, if you're over 30, forget it. <laughs> right. uh, you can't do it in your years that you have babies, forget it. So that kind of wipes up another 15 years. Like there was all these like black and white no's because. So, um, but I knew I was an intrapreneur. Like I'm a bit of the exception. Sure. I'm not the, you know, 25 year at one CPG. I, I, uh, yeah, you I moved between locations. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I would get excited with the, the phone call of like, this brand's been declining for 10 years. We need, you know, we need right. someone to, so I'm like, okay, I'm in. So that's very unique. Not all marketers like to do that and totally. that there's change and risk with that. So I think it's all a combination of, I was an entrepreneur getting some good learnings, uh, working on some very tough business challenges, working on weight loss for the last 10 years. 
and then uh, the world opened up to startups and I had an idea. Boom. All kind of perfect storm. <laughs> you had an idea and that's where we're going next. I love it. So Love Good Fats is a disruptive food startup, a new family of very low sugar keto snacks that are ridiculously delicious, creamy, melt in your mouth bars, loaded with good fats, uh, go on and on. I mean, this is awesome. So, um, but, but what we're seeing now is like the product, no pun intended, of a couple years of a lot of hard work. How did you have the initial idea? And what was the initial idea? Yeah, the initial idea is I've, I was in my mid-20s. I've been following a low-fat diet for, for 20 years because I was always trying to lose those last kind of 10 pounds, <laughs> sure. and especially when I got into racing too. You know, you want to be leaner oh, and faster. Oh, right. yep. Yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, on a low-fat diet, that's not uh, possible. <laughs> like, you can't be healthy and lean and fast uh, and, and hit your mid-40s. I took a job. I was commuting to Vancouver, which... As a five-hour flight, et right. cetera. And it all fell apart. You know, my I, I couldn't kind of stay off. Uh, I needed to get on uh, low uh, high blood pressure medication. So that was very disappointing. I wasn't able to, st- to kind of just delay that. I had to get on I- medication for my tummy, my GI, like IBS. So, you know, I was like, oh, my goodness gracious, right? Like right. I, so I was many doing things. yoga daily, didn't matter. Um, and then I read a book. The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teicholz. And and she spent nine years researching and basically said, you know, for 40 years, we've been misinformed. So that day, I was on the plane on my way to Expo West, yep. which where a lot of startup ideas <laughs> totally. are. And uh, I was doing consulting and, I, and I, I got off the plane. I'm like, whoa, like some other marketer in North America is going to see what I'm seeing. Like there's a need for a brand to be the beacon, like the message with a mission of it's okay to eat good fats and the culprit is sugar, which is kind of fat is back and sugar's out. And, and then, so the first year, like, so then I was like, okay, like I'm walking the show, I'm going back to my hotel, I'm Googling names with the right. USPTO <laughs> trademark office. Yep. And uh, lo and behold, you know, no one kind of had thought about it. There was lots more fats at the show. But there was no kind of big, you know, fats brand yet. Um, and then, so then it kind of started a PowerPoint, you know, and I did what I know how to do, concepts. Right. You, <laughs> you write it. your brand idea on a, a white sheet of paper and you put it in front of consumers, like concept testing 101. And I did like four or five rounds. I refined the messaging. At one point I had guilt in the messaging. So that didn't, that didn't work obviously, but <laughs> <Got it. laughs> um, refine, refine, refine the concept. And then I was getting stronger and stronger scores in parallel. I'm working on a product brief in wow. parallel. I'm working Which on a you packaging had done before, brief. right? I mean, these are things yeah. you had done elsewhere. Yeah. Just, you kind of start with the basics, you know, your positioning that then allows you your product brief, your marketing brief, your website brief, your packaging brief, your eventually PR brief, e-com, et cetera, et cetera. So it just kind of started like those basics. Uh, if you're in a big CPG and you have a new idea, you'll go through the same steps. Totally. Um, totally. I was just doing them 10 times faster and spending all right. my own money. <laughs> your own money, right. But the yeah. process moves a little faster. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And then really, once I got, like, the idea was pretty simple, because back then in 2016, 17, if you Googled, you know, high fat desserts, you would find fat bombs. And I was like, whoa, what's, what's that? <laughs> what's a fat, fat bomb? Bombs, right. It was before keto. And got it was it. just a, like, it's really kind of what our bars are. Like, they're uh, uh, like a fat bomb, which is very, they're shelf stable and healthy so they can be sold in a store versus you making them in your kitchen and then having to eat them out of the fridge really quickly. So 
that was the, you know, the product brief. And then I worked with a lab and then they, we started like making amazing samples. And then I eventually took that to a co-packer. The co-packer yeah. said, well, you know, we got to change all this because that doesn't work on our <laughs> it big doesn't machines. doesn't work on the machine, uh, right. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of kind of trials and tribulations to get the product made because that back then there is no co-packer in North America really that had done like fat bars. bars they were all doing it. protein bars. And got everyone it. was on the phone saying, we can do a, a protein bar that doesn't go hard. Like we know. And I was like, well, no, no, <laughs> right. I want a fat bar that doesn't melt. <laughs> <laughs> right. So very, weird, very but... different. Yeah. Now, so did you have to, did you already have the network figured out in order, in order to at least get those initial products developed? Um, or did you have to do research to figure out like, who can I work with to actually develop a bar? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or the, did you leave in your network? What did that look like? I had a little bit of a network. Like I had been, you know, an executive and kind of single mom commuting the crazy long 10 hour days and the right. lunches and then carpool and all that. So I hadn't, I always was beating myself up that I hadn't done a really good job in networking. I probably had 300 contacts on LinkedIn. So I, right. it wasn't really, you know, I was doing once every three years and quote networking lunch to try to right. stay connected. So I hadn't really that prioritize that, which I, I now tell everybody not to do what I, what I did. Um, I didn't have, I did not have a network for the R and D and the co-man, but I had, it, I was working my network enough in terms of, is this a good idea? And went back to my first bosses and a bunch of companies and VPs that I knew. And it, that network allowed me to, to eventually find a co-packer um, and get a door open and eventually raise the first round of seed money to just start the machines. Got it. And so but it was a big algorithm. When you think about it, I started at LinkedIn kind of saying, hey, I'm looking for a little R&D kitchen. And then, you know, I got like 10 different options and I worked sure. that. And then I'm looking for packaging and then I worked that. So I really LinkedIn and networking became this algorithm of getting the right people. I got a board. As soon as you want to raise money, you need a board. Totally. So, oh, okay. Well, you know, phone calls. I need to find a, a law firm. Okay. Right. You know, go to my network. Right. So it was just, it was really small at first. Right? It was two people, five people. By the end of about uh, a year and a half, I had, I presented my little pitch and my PowerPoint under my arm to 200 people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And what were the responses? I mean, what did it look like from those well, 200 all people? All but one said, this is fantastic. Wow. Okay. And yeah, like everyone was like, this is a big idea. And back then I was really just naively, I don't think I really believed in myself all that much. And I was really just looking for reassurance, right? And sure. I, I, my last question would be like, would you kind of, if you were me, would you take your kids' university funds to <laughs> right, and put kinda, it into this? You know, yeah, <laughs> right. because everybody everybody can sit there and say, hey, you have a good idea, go do it and totally. I'll share you on That's the sidelines, like, yeah, right? Not their money yeah. involved. Yeah. And then, but what I was kind of getting, and I really kind of wanted to get, I respected all these people that I met like a lot and valued their input. And, you know, anyone who knows me know I'm much more collaborative of like, okay, let me know what you think. I'm not going to listen to all the advice, but I'm certainly going to take all the advice in and put it into my little kind of funnel here. And they, you know, when you have 200 people you respect, say, 
whoa, you're on to something. And then they totally. gave me feedback about this, about that, about that. They introduced me. So now I have 10,000 contacts on LinkedIn. Yeah. And, yep. you know, it's all like I'm trying to give back as much, but it literally starts with, you know, two phone calls, two emails. I love like, it. It just starts that way. And so when did you know it was like, so you got feedback from 200 plus people saying, hey, I love the idea on PowerPoint. When did you know you have a product that people like? In other words, was there a point when you're like, okay, I think this has legs now. You know, people are going to buy this. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, what did that the look first, like? Yeah. And the, and the 200 was over like a, a longer period. Right. So it evolved from like a PowerPoint with a couple of pages to like a much more sophisticated kind of pitch deck, I would say. Sure. But as soon as we started getting the samples, like it really started, like once I was at the R&D lab, I was going down every week at this little kitchen and I got round one and then round two and none of them were commercializable, but it's like, oh my, they thought they would be, but they weren't. Got um, it. And I was like, oh my <laughs> goodness gracious, this is insane insanely delicious yeah wow um, and even though it's it your own product yep. you were like <laughs> you uh, it. <laughs> i was blown away like the first ever sample i remember i was just sitting there my mouth was open i was like these are insane like wow. really? we can make this in a plant and you know they kind of we had to make a few tweaks to that kind of homemade version sure. but yeah wow you know and that's when we knew so then by then i was kind of pulling some some folks together and you know you you work a bunch of things in parallel you should work your distributor network and your co-man network uh, your um your listings network. So I went to to Whole Foods and went to UNFI and then sure. Canada Purity Life and all those three right away said, yep, you know, you're onto something. Perfect, they tasted yeah. the little foil samples and they're like, oh my God, like this, <laughs> this is, is insane. Yeah. Now <laughs> we was... had a lot of work, a lot of work to do after that because they the, the bars didn't weren't, you know, they were melting initially right. like a lot. So I remember I was in a meeting at Starbucks and between the beginning and the end of the meeting, the bar went Mountain. from like, yeah. Oh, no. So we had to do a lot, a lot of work. Like we have 200 ver iterations of the oh formulations and product. I work with two PhDs. I got some wow. quote, secret ingredients and percentages that are really, really key. That make it work. Um, so it was not easy, but that was kind of the path. What were the initial flavors or what was the initial flavor? And was it because I see lemon mousse here, peanut butter, chocolatey, chocolate chip yep. cookie dough. Yum. Um, was there one that was the initial one or was it, hey, we're going to go out with a couple flavors? Well, for sure. Peanut butter chocolatey is, you know, is a staple. So if you work in bars, you know that, you know, yeah. chocolate, chocolate, <laughs> peanut butter, chocolate. So no that brainer. was the first. And then cho and chocolate chip chocolate chip coconut was the the first two wow. um but okay. within six weeks we got feedback from one of the largest whole foods downtown toronto saying you know you're outselling every other bar we have on the shelf <laughs> we need more and I, yeah and i so i came back and there was just me employee of one and i had my little quote board slash advisors and i was like whoa you know email everybody right like okay you know we need two more flavors ASAP. So we got, got two it. more flavors in eight weeks. Wow. Um, and had okay. to raise a little bit more money to turn the machines on yep. again. So and then we had four bars. And that's 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 kind of critical mass in bars, Lord right? Like and cream. Two is two is suicidal, four is perfect. Got it. Yeah, I mean start. So, I like the variety packs. Um so okay, got it. So how did you get into retail? Um, versus only selling direct to consumer. A lot of uh, food startups, as you know, like they they immediately pop up their their Shopify site or other um, direct to consumer site because they can do that quickly. Um, yep. How do you? How did you initiate? 
some of the retail relationships. Yeah, we did the same thing. You know, Shopify was whatever it was, $11 a month. Right. I, you know, paid for the subscription, bought the GoDaddy site, like all right. the stuff you startups, uh, founders do. And uh, the site was up like seven months before we were on the shelf because we had a bit of false starts with the recipes. But, you know, no one's really going to buy unless you start spending on your Shopify site. So, Got it. And, and we weren't ready. We didn't have enough volume anyway. But it was always like with my background, it was always a retail play. Like the consulting so I that done. Was the, that was your yeah. focus. Even though you have the website, it was like more marketing yeah. for the product. Like we knew, like I had enough, you know, on my board, I had an expert in, in, in bars and he had worked at, uh, at the, the largest kind of, um, broker in, in Canada. And so we so knew helpful. like, yeah, the strat plan was always a retail play, but we always kind of said, Hey, how can we get, we, cause we knew that some bars had really like 20, 30% in e-com even back, you know, four years ago, we're like, Whoa, like we'd want to do that but that wasn't kind of our area of expertise but that was like also going to be a play got it but retail first that's fascinating um and then did you have a challenge of like meeting demand of retail in other words it's one thing to get into retailer it's another to again you said you're outselling the other bars without any marketing it sounds like i mean were you able to Managed through that, or what did that look like? Supply was pretty crazy. We went from five thousand dollar POs to then we had a couple of months at uh, forty thousand, a hundred thousand, <laughs> right. eight times. Then, oh then we had a million. You know, on oh month twelve, yeah, Surprise. we had a million dollar month at month twelve. Wow. Um, and then we had we had some months at seven million, really. That's so, amazing. um, so demand was pretty challenging, but we had you know a, a co-packer that has a lot, a lot of capacity, so it was just working with them to scale it was still kind of jumping through hoops because we you know we needed a second line and a third line and all that but it it all kind of worked out um and then covid kind of slowed down the the demand so you know we kind of allowed to get into kind of steady state and then you can kind of spend a bit more time on optimizing versus just chasing big you know big order big po's got it yeah and okay so and with your marketing background um one thing we haven't talked about is how'd you engage the consumer how'd you get the message out obviously you did a lot of work on packaging it's amazing which should be part of like the market marketing person's eye what about other types of marketing well, packaging is definitely your, you know, first place and comes back to positioning, and which colors. is really your packaging awesome. product yeah. and price value and awareness trial. So awareness trial at first was just all the basics. I was in every single Whole Foods, you know, multiple times a week, every weekend doing the demos. We were at the trade show. So the Canadian trades trade show is CHFA and sampling as much as we could. We did some scrappy kind of, you know, uh, basically bootstrapping moves. We had some early keto group adopters. So I would, you know, I was talking to everybody. I was definitely the founder that interacted. Like it's, it's still to this day, I answer all my LinkedIn's myself, you know, like very, very authentic. So I stood at more consumer shows in the fall and then the spring demos myself. Uh, I wanted to do, you know, we were hiring a demo company. I'm like, I'm still going, right? Right. You're the founder. You got the, you're the vision carrier. Do you know what I mean? Well, plus, you know, we had innovation down the pipe, right? And we had feedback, you know, like I wanted, you, you kind of have to know and be connected. So basically the grassroots, uh, demos, uh, sh- a little bit of Shopify, social, and uh, and shows. Wow. 
Um, wow, that's that's awesome. Um, you shared a little bit about where you are today. This is five years, four months into this now. Um, what's ahead, especially coming out of COVID? Like, what's what's top of mind as you're looking at this year? Yeah, we definitely want to have a very fast start coming out of COVID. So we're very grateful. We we did a, a really big raise before, like as COVID was starting. So we wanted to make sure we protected our employees, protected Got the brand, protected cash flow. So that gave us a, a lot of runway, which we still have today. We're competing. We're in the big leagues. We're in the U.S. We're with the big boys, I, I like to say. Right. Uh, or, you know, I guess the, there's a few girl brand twos, but, you know, we're in the big leagues. Um, so we want to kind of have a fast start. We know our marketing mix works really well. We have our, our awareness, top of funnel uh, messaging works really well to engage. So we work very closely with each of our accounts to have customer marketing program tailored in their accounts. Plus, we didn't cut trade spend, which a lot of companies pull back on. Totally. Um, and, you know, we're kind of gearing for a pretty fast start with ads and displays. And then as soon as the world reopens up, we'll open up the marketing in a much bigger way also. That's awesome. Yeah, things are moving. I mean, I'm excited. Um, you can already see some of the the, the, the wheels moving um, in retail and yeah. CPG. Yep. Um, one thing I love to ask all of my guests is, you know, you, you, you went th- from working for a big brand to starting your own business. Um, very successful, excited. You've got just some good trajectory and you've learned a lot. What would be two or three of the biggest lessons learned you'd share with our listeners in terms of, you know, thinking about their startup, they're starting a brand, they're launching a new product um, or other. Yeah. So lesson number one is definitely start. And that's advice <laughs> right. that's given. Even you know, at just age start. 50. <laughs> yeah. Just right. start, you know, go from I have an idea to like, okay, where's the product? Where's the packaging? Like move it, like get it into 10 stores. So what, number one is start. And I think that's the hardest, hardest move for a lot. Um, number two is just do your homework on the, the spend the most of your time up front on the positioning and the product, because after that it's execution. And a lot of people can help you do execution and execution. You can just keep dialing up. You can't, it's harder to back up and retrofit. You know, if your positioning is not quite there, you're there for your packaging, therefore all your brand, therefore your company, your culture is all connected back. Start with the positioning and do the, then, you know, get, consumer input, work with the right uh, experts uh, that help you on optimizing your positioning. Don't stop there. Same with product. If you have those two, that's kind of gives you the potential. And then number three is, you know, you're going to, you're going to wind up having a lot, a lot of trip ups and just get it, get up and go at it again, get up, go at it again, be, be humble and open to feedback and learnings. You're going to make sense of everything. Just be humble to listen to what the the world is telling you out there don't discount uh, it and then just get back up and then pivot 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 if you need to but don't you know give up i love that yeah and there is this like healthy tension of you know just start and and, and pursue it and at the same time spend a little bit of time on the vision and the kind of what you want the the, the brand to be about and the product to be about and then you're right there's a lot of resources for execution um in the space uh, I think that's great yep. advice. Um, yep. Cher, I love this. This is so exciting. And I, I can't wait to stay in, connected with you and have you back on as you continue to grow. But share with our listeners where they can find you, connect with you, buy your product, et cetera. 
Yeah, so lovegoodfats.com is the easiest place. We're also on Amazon, Canada, US. We do big business there. But lovegoodfats, you can find us on Instagram, lovegoodfats. You can find us on Facebook. <laughs> you got it all. But just go Twitter, to the, Facebook, yeah. Instagram. Yeah. That's great. Go to the website and LinkedIn. You know, if you want to connect with me, certainly LinkedIn and DM me. I'm, I'm again, I'm quite behind when uh, some big news breaks. I literally get 200 DMs, so just bear oh with gosh. me. Wow. Um, but I'm, I'm there and I'm, I'm real, and uh, I'd love to chat. Well, Susie, thanks so much for carving out time to do the podcast today. Again, look forward to staying in touch. Excited for you and your brand, and um, look forward to having you back on. Perfect. Thanks, Justin. It's been a pleasure. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.